Today we take a look at two ghost stories that may be two of the most powerful ghosts I've ever come across in over 30 years of research. First off, is it possible that when a young girl died, her spirit was so powerful it could be everywhere at once? And then we take a look at the story of a young woman who recently lost her father. While losing a loved one can always be hard, we hope for proof from beyond that they're still with us. But is this father taking things too far? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Garmener. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys had an awesome weekend, whatever you were doing. I'm hoping it was cool. We got a lot of stuff to cover, so we're going to get started right away. First off, walking into Dead Rabbit Command right now is two more people who visited me at the McMinimins UFO Festival in McMinnville, Oregon. I got to meet six of you in total who are longtime listeners of the show. What a treat for me. Walking into Dead Rabbit Command right now, give it up for Aaron and Kate. Woo, yeah, they're walking in, they're breakdancing, bringing out cardboard, spinning around. You gotta clean that up, clean up that cardboard. And while they're done, they do a little b-boy pose at the end. That's how we know they're done dancing. Aaron and Kate, you're going to be our captains, our pilots this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon or if you can't meet me in real life, I'm sure one of those is easier to do than the other. That's okay. It really is. Just help spread the word about the show. You have no idea how much that means to me when you guys are out there and telling people about Dead Rabbit Radio. That's really the main driver for whether or not a podcast is successful. And this podcast is successful because of you guys. Oh, oh, and before I go any further, you'll see the artwork for today's episode. You see those cool little buttons? Kate made those. Kate made those are custom buttons. She gave me that set and she gave Sabine. Sabine was at the festival as well. Gave Sabine a set of the... Aren't those awesome? Those are so cool. And I would love to <laughs> give you a link where you could purchase your own. She did, That's the Mongolian Death Worm, a great alien, and the Loveland Frog, a little cryptid. The art style is adorable, everything about it. Uh, but Kate's store is not online right now. There's some thing. <laughs> the feds raided it. They're like, you know too much about the Loveland Frog. You can't put these out anymore. No. And then Kate, when you're hearing this episode, when you do get your store back online, shoot me an email. I'll put a link in and I'll, I'll feature your buttons as well. Fantastic, though. I know you guys would love to support her art as well. Aaron and Kate, I have matching keys for the Jason Jalopy. Let's go ahead and toss those to you guys. We are leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. We are driving all the way out to Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> driving on out there. The reason why we're headed out to Phoenix, Arizona is we have to take a look at... This story is crazy. Now, to be fair... I've done a lot of research, and other people have done a lot of research, and we can't prove whether or not this story is true. This is one of those stories that has a lot of detail to it, but no one's been able to verify whether or not the story's true. It may just be an urban legend, it may be an actual haunting, who knows, but I definitely, definitely an interesting ghost encounter, and I've been studying this stuff for near on 30 years at this point. It's August 6th, 1995. And we're in Phoenix, Arizona. Right now, we're walking down Fifth Avenue. And this location is Fifth Avenue. If, if, if you're in Phoenix, you can check this out. You may not want to. It's kind of spooky. 
On August 6, 1995, on Fifth Avenue, between Roosevelt and Fillmore Streets, they all their streets are named after presidents over there, a nine-year-old girl is crossing the street. She's crossing Fifth Avenue. We don't have a name for the girl. It's weird, isn't it, that we have, we have a specific location, we have a date and all of the events that go on, but we don't have a name for this girl. We're going to go ahead and call her Samantha, though. Samantha, nine years old, is crossing the street, and a car appears out of nowhere. And it's headed right towards her. The car hits this young girl. <laughs> I'm not going to do that, that sound effect. I thought about it for a second and said, nah, I'm good. The uh, car slams into this nine-year-old girl, and she is grievously injured. The driver kept going. Maybe if he had heard a sound effect, maybe he would have stopped. We don't know. But the car hit this girl, and the driver kept going. It was a hit and run. And to this day, that driver has never been arrested for this. Now, again, this might be made up. This might be totally fictional. I don't want the Arizona police to be listening to this episode. They're like, boys, let's break open the cold case file. And they're just, like, arresting people. Now, obviously... This is going to draw a lot of attention, right? I've been to quite a few car accidents. I've seen quite a few people die in car accidents. And it is a circus. Like, people are standing around. A lot of people are trying to figure out what to do. Once I was trying to uh, help a woman who'd been hit by two cars. And someone someone broke into my car and stole my backpack. It was in on Watt Avenue out in Sacramento. North Highlands area. So if you know the area, you're nodding your head. <laughs> you're nodding your head. Yeah, that makes sense. Someone would break into your car while you are attending to a dying woman in Middle Street. Anyways, you get a bunch of people show up at this stuff. It's horrific, and people are trying to figure it out, and some people are just looky-loos. It's shocking. It's so shocking to see a human die during, like, mid-time traffic. It's, it doesn't happen that often that it happens in public. It used to all the time, right? Back when, like, you were in medieval times, people were, you're seeing people get killed all the time. You're, like, carrying hay on your head back to the village, and a bunch of, like, knights ride up, and they're just, like, smashing peasants in the head. And you're just like, oh, he doesn't smash me in the head. If he does, I'm wearing this giant thing. I'm holding this basket of hay on my head. I'll be okay. You saw it all the time. People died right in front of you. and We didn't have places to put the dead and the dying. It was called Grandpa's Room. <laughs> it was called Grandpa's Room at the house. But we've become so used to just kind of shuffling the dead aside that it shocks us when we see people die in real life. And so the reason why I say that is you have a ton of witnesses to what's going on at this scene. The medics show up and they're trying to save this young girl's life. But a couple blocks away, a wife is preparing dinner while her husband sleeps upstairs. He's snoring away, and she's like, <laughs> cutting sandwiches or making spaghetti or whatever. Making spaghetti sandwiches. And she's standing there in her kitchen, and all of a sudden she gets a vision of a girl she's never seen before. She has a vision of a girl she's never seen before, and this girl standing in front of her, and the girl says, I love you guys so much. I just wanted you guys to know how much I loved you. And the vision disappears. At the same time when her husband was sleeping upstairs, <laughs> this is so funny, I don't know why the girl did this, she loves them both, right? She appears to the wife and goes, hey, I love you guys. To him, he was sleeping upstairs and a box fell and hit him on the head. He's like, ah, I don't know if he was actually an ogre, I don't know if he made those noises, but 
they've linked those two events. Like, the girl woke him up. Didn't give him a vision. But threw, threw a box at him. Appeared in front of the wife. On 19th and Camelback in Phoenix, Arizona, there were these two girls walking down the street, and in front of them, they see a woman walking with a little girl. And the two girls thought it was weird, because they didn't know who these people were. They were walking down the street, this girl in front of them with her mom kept turning around and smiling and waving at them. And her and her mom would continue to walk down the street, and then the girl would turn back around and smile and wave. The girls didn't really even put two and two together. They thought, you know, that's fine. You know, little girls being nice. But it's a little weird, right? She keeps looking back at us. Maybe once or twice would have been fine. Later on, apparently, when they were watching the news or hearing about this tragic hit and run with a nine-year-old girl, they realized that was the girl in front of them. The girl who was walking with the woman was Samantha. At the scene of the accident itself, right? We're back in this tableau. And there's medics. They're trying to keep this girl alive. It is a futile mission. This girl does die. But they're trying their best, right? Traffic has stopped on this road. People are standing around watching the valiant efforts of the medical technicians. And they see them get the gurney out and put this little frail body on the gurney. And they wheel it and they put it in the back of the ambulance. They activate the ambulance sirens. And as the ambulance begins to drive away... People who are standing there see Samantha. Now, if you've ever been, you're like, oh, Jesus, she's in the ambulance. Of course they see her. No, if you've ever been in an ambulance, I've been in quite a few. The windows are higher than the gurney. <laughs> Otherwise, you'd be like sitting in traffic. You're like rocking out to the Jonas Brothers. And then you have these giant transparent windows in an ambulance. You see blood squirting everywhere. They're like, more gauze, more gauze. They're trying to heal them. No, you can't see everything in an ambulance. They have those little windows. I wonder actually why they have those windows in there. Is it so so the people in the back don't get bored? So the technicians in the back don't get bored. They're just sitting in a giant metal box all day. At least they can look out the windows and go, oh, look at that guy's a big fan of the Jonas Brothers as they see you dancing. But the windows are sm- are higher than the gurney. So the fact that they see the girl, is she standing up? The, the only way you could do this is if the girl was standing up and peeking out of the windows. And as this ambulance is pulling away, several witnesses at the scene saw the little girl, her face in her hands pressed against the ambulance windows, staring out at them. Woo-hoo-hoo! The ambulance drove away. Now, I don't think anyone was like, oh, she's okay. If she's st- I mean, they, 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 obviously, anyone who saw her get hit by this car, the aftermath, no, she's not standing up anytime soon. So the general consensus at the scene would have been like, dude, we just, that was her ghost. That There's no other way to explain that. The ambulance is driving away, and she's standing up with her face and her hands pressed against the window. The story goes that... These sightings were reported over the next few months to her mother. They actually went to Samantha's mother. I saw your daughter. I saw your daughter's ghost. I guess I should have said that. I should have said that first. Like, you saw my daughter? She's alive? Oh, you added the ghost part. And you could argue, this is an interesting story, because on the one hand, when you have this much information, but you're not able to track anything down, it is really, really suspect. 
But on the other hand, I will say this, just from years of researching this stuff, and especially the last four years where I've really been trying to document my sources for you guys, any story that takes place, I would argue, before 2005, maybe even make it a little bit higher, 2008, it's really, really hard to find sources. It's not impossible. It's not impossible. We've done it in the past, but... These little stories that sure would have been in the newspaper, they would have been in like the Arizona Register or the Phoenix Times or whatever newspaper. You have to, back in 1996, they weren't even digitally archiving this stuff. You can get digital archives of this newspaper, but then you have to scroll through a bunch of papers trying to find any reference to this. And to be fair, I tried. And others have tried because it's such an evocative story, isn't it? We want to find proof of this, but it's harder to find proof unless it's been published in a book. Even newspapers get spotty because it may not be completely digitized. But assuming that this story is true, the mother's name and the girl who got hit by the car, their names would be in the newspaper. So the fact that people would be contacting the mother later on over the next couple of months, that tracks. That tends to happen when people, when tragedies happen, every time the story gets brought up, or especially initially when it's out, people will reach out to the family. So I, if the story's true, the fact that they're able to track down the mom, it makes sense. It makes sense. So I could see that happening over the next couple of months. People sharing this story with her. The mother didn't really feel left out from this whole experience, though, because she also reported that she would often have dreams that her daughter was there communicating with her. And it was, the dreams were so vivid, it felt like they were real, but then she woke up and it was just a dream. So she seemed to be, I, I imagine that's pretty common with people going through grief of losing a child. But it's definitely an interesting story. Really what, and I haven't come across anything like this, at least that I can remember. First off, there's the bilocation. I believe we've covered this on the show before. It's a paranormal phenomenon. It's not super common, but it's not super rare either. Sometimes it gets attributed to stuff like shape-shifting demons. Sometimes it gets attributed to things like skinwalkers or alternate realities. But bilocation literally means in two places at once. We actually covered that story recently about that, that I thought could be alternate reality. About the two girls in the bathroom in the basement. I'll put that episode in the show notes. I really like that one. but. Basically, it is you're at home and your roommate comes in and they walk into your room and you're just like sitting there and you're just sitting. You're like, hey, Joe, what's up? And he walks by, he goes in the room and then you get a call from Joe and he's down at Walmart. and He wants to know if you want to get any honey roasted almonds. We see a lot of that online, but it's not the most rare. It's not the most common. It's also not super exciting, really. Like You're like, oh, no, Jason, did he get the almonds? I, I need to know. It just, sometimes we find weird ones like the thing that happened in the basement, but for the most part, it's just people being seen in two places at the same time. I can't recall a time that a ghost has done that. And I can't recall a time when a ghost did that while the body was still alive. That's another interesting quirk of this. The girl was dying. She wasn't dead. And yet her spirit is being seen all over town. Remember, if this story is true, those are the cases we hear about. Those are the cases where people felt the need to report it to someone else or to track down this mom. There could have been some 52-year-old bachelor sitting in his apartment, and he's flipping through the channels, and then all of a sudden there's a 9-year-old girl going, Hi! And he's like, I'm not going to tell anyone that. People are going to think I'm insane. I'm just going to ignore that even happened. Or there could have been people who were doing things, and she appeared to them, and they didn't notice her. 
and she just moves on. <laughs> She's oh man, I, that's the second worst thing that happened to me today. It's super weird because we have the by location, we have the ghost while she's still alive thing, and then her contacting people who have no connection to this girl is quite odd. I don't even know how to classify that. I'll try though, because this was my theory with this one. I thought, what if this girl was going to play none of them had met this girl before this time but what if this girl was going to play a part in their lives the webbing of fate had been laid out and she was going to meet the couple she was going to drop a box on that dude's head no matter what she was going to meet these couples she was going to hang out with these girls at some point she was going to interact with all of them in the future but this hit and run accident cut her life short but her psychic influence, like her ability to see who she was going to love and who she was going to be friends with and all this stuff, even though those things hadn't happened yet, she was able to interact with them. That's really the only thing I can think of. Like she may have been someone who was going to be very influential when she was older, but she died. And yet the... Strings of fate kept pulling her to meet those people. And again, there may be a lot of other people that she would interact with in the future she hadn't met yet. And that she appeared to as a ghost saying goodbye. And they didn't report it to us. Very, very weird ghost story. Very bizarre. Could be totally made up. We have a lot of specifics. And then we don't have the right specifics. Names. We don't have any sort of news article on this for such a brutal crime. But fascinating story nonetheless. Was this girl destined to be a very influential person in a lot of people's lives? We don't know, but a tragic and fascinating ghost story nonetheless. Aaron and Kate, let's go ahead and get you in that flight uniforms and toss you the keys to the Carpenter Copter. We're leaving behind Phoenix, Arizona. We are headed all the way out to a small town somewhere in America. It's funny because longtime listeners of the show know that I don't do two of the same story per episode. I always do like an alien story or a ghost story or a true crime story and an alien story or a demon story and some dude eating his poop. Like I always try to mix it up, but both of these stories because they involve some of the most powerful ghosts I've ever come across, I wanted to include them. A little compare and contrast. Because in that last segment, we had a girl simply saying goodbye. But the fact that she was everywhere all at once, super bizarre. And the fact she was interacting with people who had never met her, very, very weird. That's a power level you don't normally see in a ghost. This one, I I would say the same thing. This is a power level you don't normally see in the ghost. The question is, is this good? Is this a good power level for a ghost to be at? Should ghosts be this strong, basically, is what I'm saying. In this story, we actually have it from the horse's mouth herself. A young woman is telling this story. This happened to her, and she's talking about this online. And what I love is that you can actually look through her posting history and see this is the first time she's ever posted anything paranormal. That's usually a pretty strong... What's the opposite of a red flag? A green flag? Is that a thing? Or is it just no flags? Because like a red flag is a sport thing. It's a really good no flag. Because if you look through her posting history, she's like buying antiques and talking about a bunch of normal stuff. And then she's like, oh, by the way, this happened. If she's constantly talking about 
Omega level paranormal events like this one, then I'd go, oh, she's just a fiction writer. Someone did that recently. There's someone posted in the cheerleader subreddit that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am subscribed to that one, that her friend became a cheerleader. Her friend used to be a nerdy girl who played video games and watched Marvel movies or whatever. And then she joined the cheerleading squad and now she's a drunk slut. What should I do? And that's not what the cheerleading subreddit's for. It's for just po- photos of hot college cheerleaders and hot professional cheerleaders. So people are like, that's not what this is for. You go somewhere else. But I decided to click on this person's profile. They, before going to the cheerleader subreddit, they're very active in a subreddit. I I hate Reddit for reasons like this. I hate Reddit for reasons like this. They have the most despicable, disgusting subreddits. Where just the just gross people hang out. This is a subreddit called Bimbofication. This isn't even the worst I've seen. This isn't even the worst I've seen. Uh, Bimbofication is a subreddit where it talks about women getting hit on the head with mallets or drinking like magical juice or joining the cheerleader squad and becoming drunk sluts. Like it's a whole subreddit dedicated to that. And that's where this person had spent most of their time posting was on the bimbofication subreddit. I, I you could dismiss that that cheerleader thing, right? Because that's that didn't happen. They're just reliving their fetish on the cheerleader board. Keep your filth off of my hot college cheerleader photos. This one though, because we have this person named Nipley and everything they post about is antiquing and then they have this story, it makes it way more believable. Now we don't have Nipley's real name. We're going to give her the name Judith, if that's a real name, just guess. But anyways, Judith tells this story. She said not long after her father had passed away, she was driving to work. And all of a sudden, Judith wasn't Judith. Well, part of her was. But it was like Judith took a back seat to another force. Judith, as she was driving down the road, says that she felt her father's presence enter her body. Specifically, she said, I felt like he was looking through my eyes. He was inhabiting part of her psyche. And not only was her deceased father looking at the world through her eyes, he then looked around. So it's like he's gained motor control of her as well. She says, I remember driving. I remember my father being inside of me, taking over and looking out through my eyes. And I looked around the car, stared out at the road ahead of me, and looked into the rearview mirror. And she said, when I looked in the rearview mirror, it was me. Like, I saw me. But I could also feel my father's presence staring out of my eyeballs. She says this only lasted a few moments, and then this sensation was gone. But she didn't mention it to anyone, right? This is one of those things, like, if you came home and there was a nine-year-old girl sitting in your living room and she was waving at you, and then she disappeared, you, you <laughs> after you picked up all the groceries that you dropped and washed your pants, you may or may not tell anybody, right? Because it sounds insane. It sounds absolutely insane. And this is something, she's like, I didn't tell anyone that this had happened. What are you going to do? Part of the grief process? 
right? Who knows? People don't really know until they're going through it before. I've never heard that before, though. I've never heard someone say, yeah, I really miss my dad, but it's okay because every so often he's in my eyeballs. But everyone grieves differently, right? Maybe it's just part of the grief process. However, that weekend, Judith was at some sort of family gathering and one of her brothers pulled her aside and said, this is going to sound crazy. And I know it sounds crazy, but I got to tell somebody about this. He said the other day he was sitting on the couch watching TV. And his two kids were just playing in front of him. And all of a sudden, he felt a presence inside of him. He told Judith, he goes, I don't really know how to to say this, but I'm sitting there, I'm watching television, my kids are playing. And then all of a sudden... Dad was inside of me. I could feel Dad staring out of my eyes. He was seeing what I was seeing, or I was seeing what he was seeing. And he watched my children. I sat there and stared at my kids while Dad was staring at my kids. He was inside of me, Judith. I, I, I feel like I'm going nuts. It doesn't make any sense, does it? But a few moments later, the feeling passed. A long time ago, I did an episode called The Judas Complex. Can a ghost possess a person? Or can a ghost possess a human? Something like that. I'll put it in the show notes. And that was basically asking the question... We know demons can possess people, can ghosts possess people. That was a such a specific example because Judas Iscariot, he's the guy who betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, sold him out to the Roman authorities, which led to Jesus being crucified. Yeah, him, right, because he's such a high level in like the religious community. Everyone knows who this guy is. Demons are giving him high fives, and they're all burning his hand. He's like, oh, I made the wrong choice. Ah! That would make sense. That would make sense to be able to be possessed by a diabolical character in religious history. But a run-of-the-mill human ghost, I don't think I've ever come across a story like this. Generally, when people get possessed, it's demonic. There are stories where people like go to a house and there's like a malignant spirit there. And that spirit can influence your thoughts. We've covered stuff like that. That's not super rare in paranormal phenomenon. But the idea, again, that is more of the location. But as far as a possession like this, outside of any other sort of vortex or mystical energy going on, outside of some sort of person of huge religious importance, That would make sense that that stuff could possess you or influence you. But the fact that they're driving down the road and they're sitting with their kids and their father is going inside of them, I cannot think of another time that this has happened. Driving down the road, possessed by a ghost, not a demon. There's no protection against it. If this story is true, this is one of the weirdest and most dangerous ghosts we've ever covered. We've covered ghosts that have murdered people. But the idea of a ghost possessing their living children, that's so dangerous. That's so dangerous. One of the things that we look at when we talk about ghosts, ghostly phenomenon, like why do ghosts exist? We obviously have the skeptical answers. They don't. 
Then we have answers like I often say sometimes ghosts are just a recording, like a background noise, a high emotional event has left its psychic thumbprint on a location. It's not a ghost you can interact with. It's just a recording. And then sometimes we have people who can't move on, who can't let go. And those ones, you have to accept that you're dead. And if you don't accept that you're dead, that is going to cause some serious ramifications, not just for your immortal soul, but for anyone else in that environment. You have to move on. And generally, the idea would be you stick around as a ghost because you can't move on. You want to see how things play out. You're really waiting for the new Batman movie, so you're just kind of floating around. But you have to move on eventually. It would make sense because you would be separated from your mortal body. You're in this new reality, basically, but you're still floating around Earth. And you go, you know, there's nothing for me here. I can't communicate with anyone. All, all the other ghosts here are super crazy. They're super maniacal, but there's Victorian chicks. Woohoo! I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go to England a little bit more, hang out with those sexy ghosts. But I gotta move on. But if a ghost had the ability, if someone died and then they had the ability to go into their children's bodies, why leave? Why would you? Why would you move on? You can communicate. You can watch your grandchildren grow up. You wouldn't need... There'd be no reason for you to go. And there's no way to make you. There's no way to make a ghost move on. A lot of times you're trying to convince the ghost to go to the tunnel, that they're dead and to have peace with that. And the afterlife isn't scary. There's a, there's a beautiful place waiting for you. You couldn't say that to someone who's sitting there eating quart after quart of haagen in their daughter's body. You're like, there's something beautiful on the other side. There's something beautiful right here. There's more haagen I'm just going to eat all this stuff. And if I destroy this body, who cares? Then it'll just be me and my daughter floating around as ghosts. And I'll teach her this trick. We'll just keep going into people's bodies. Taking them over. Fat. If this story's real, this is terrifying. Because it means that ghosts don't have to leave. It means ghosts can stick around and not in a little Casper way where they're flown through walls. They can just take over a new body. At that point, they're not a ghost. At that point, there's some sort of new entity. Possession is really, really hard. And there's a lot of rules over who you can possess and how to get rid of a demon. This is breaking those rules. This phenomenon is breaking these rules. Super dangerous. Super, super dangerous. And I feel like I'm just stating that over and over again, but I almost feel like I'm not stating it enough. If this phenomenon is correct, it can change the way that the world of ghosts interact with the world of humans. I've mentioned on a couple of recent episodes, paranormal stories are coming a lot harder to find. New ones. New stories. I just found this story about two days ago. But it's a lot harder, and I spend a good 20 hours a week looking for stuff to talk about. They're getting harder, and I mentioned in a recent episode, I wonder if something's happening in the world of the paranormal, and that's why things are quiet. And we covered a guy who's a professional ghost hunter, and even he said all these famous places in England, they have way less ghostly activity over the past two years than they've ever had. Even really, really famous, well-known haunted places, stuff's not getting reported. I've said before, something might be happening in the world of paranormal that's causing these forces to retreat or stay hidden. What in the world is this? If this is any indication of what it could be going on in the world of paranormal, we got some serious problems. If ghosts can possess people like that, 
This is so dangerous and so terrifying. Listen, I'm not trying to give Judith any heat. Like, if she found comfort in this and her brother found comfort in this, cool. I don't, I don't think they did. The, it, the post seemed to be a little alarming. Like, why is this going on? They did post it. My father just wanted to see what his children were doing. But Nipley is not posting a lot of stuff about ghosts. Ghosts don't do that. Ghosts may appear in the room, in the corner of the room, and watch the kids, and you may not even know that your dad's there. Maybe you smell his cologne. Maybe you smell his cigarettes or cigars. That's super common, the ghost coming back to visit. But the ghost possessing you is so rare. I don't think I've come across anything like this before outside of Judas. And even when I did that episode, when I said, can a ghost possess a human? A lot of you guys said no. Must have been something else. I got a lot of comments saying, no, a ghost cannot possess a human. That was a demon disguised as Judas. And you guys, when you listen to this show, this is deep level paranormal stuff. Casuals do not listen to this show because we cover obscure topics. You want to hear about the Bermuda Triangle or the Haunting of Whaley House? There's a hundred other podcasts out there for them. You? You get ghosts, you get paranormal phenomenon, you understand this stuff. So when I stated a question like that, a lot of you guys are like, no, there's nothing in the literature, there's nothing in the lore to say that a ghost can possess a human. A ghost can make a human feel uneasy, a ghost can haunt a doll, a ghost can haunt a car, a ghost can haunt a house. You can go to that house and you start to feel these horrible feelings and stuff like that, but a ghost entering a human? No. And up until recently, I would have agreed with you. But if Judas was a demon, what's this? Ghosts not going into the afterlife, that hurts them. They're just sticking around, and they're lingering, and they're not moving on with their spiritual journey. Ghosts sticking around and possessing humans? That's brand new. That's dangerous. And we have no way. If the ghost doesn't want to, we have no way of getting them out of these human bodies. None. So is this a one-off story? Or is it the start of a terrifying new trend? We don't know. If this story is real, and if events like this continue, we have no idea what can happen next. The world of the paranormal, as chaotic as it is, does have rules. Or at least it did. Until the day a young woman was simply driving to work, and her father crawled behind her eyes. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Yeah.